I love therapy, and in fact, I've been going to therapy since I was around six years old. Though I talk about therapy a lot and may interview some therapists on the show on occasion, nothing that is said in this podcast should be considered a replacement for therapy. If you are struggling, I urge you to please seek guidance from a therapist because you are absolutely worth it. You are listening to Wine, Dine, and 69, a podcast about dating, relationships, sex, and self-love. I hope everyone is doing well. Uh, I hope everyone is staying safe. And we're almost two years into coronavirus at this point. It's pretty wild. Um, so today is an interesting episode. It's, it's interesting because I actually slated this episode for this date prior to anything in my personal life happening. But uh, today's episode is about grief and relationships, grief and relationships ending, grief when a partner dies in a relationship. Um, I'm going through a breakup, y'all. I'm going through a breakup and I have been for the last month. Um, And I didn't want to mention it because I I didn't want to mention it at the time because I felt that if I wasn't able to speak about it in a very matter of fact way, then it wasn't worth speaking about. Um, but I am and it sucks. And, um, I, I really care about my former partner a lot. Uh, and I respect, you know, it was his decision and I respect his decision. Um, and I'm trying to take it as an opportunity to look within and figure out what I want to change about myself, what I want to change about myself going forward in relationships, um, and, and what I'm looking for in the long term. So it's been an interesting few weeks, and it's been odd to be recording this podcast and record these intros and to not speak about it, um... It just felt slightly dishonest, but it just kind of, it hasn't felt right to talk about it until now. Um, so yeah, I it, it's tough. It's a big shift. Uh, my kind of future as I, as I saw it has kind of shifted on a dime, um, but I'm doing okay. I really am. I'm, I'm more than okay, actually. I'm feeling really strong and centered and in control of my life. Um, So it's been, it's so funny. And I think that I talked with at the, um, in the Are You Happy bonus episode about how interesting it is when you're in really dark periods of your life that you're almost forced to see the light. And that's kind of how I feel right now. I, I feel like I have no choice but to be present. I feel like I have no choice but to live every moment as it is. Um, so it's been a really big learning experience. And you know what? In all honesty, I'm grateful for it. I'm learning a lot about myself and I'm learning to love myself even deeper. You know, I think that I, I always have been really focused on self-love, but there's nothing like kind of having your <laughs> world shaken under you that reminds you how important that is. So 
um, I'm okay. I'm, I'm hanging in there. Um, you know, it's every day, every day is a little bit of a, a different journey. Um, but yeah, I, I did, I did want to come out and talk about that, you know, at, a, at some point, uh, the, the breakup occurred in, um, early September. So, you know, it's been about a month and, um, yeah, I just, I needed to let things settle a little bit in my own personal life before speaking about it, but it almost feels right that I'm going to be in a conversation with Angel, my guest today, about grief and relationships, um, about grief when mourning a breakup, grief when you've lost a partner, um, and, and grief in all sorts and kinds. Uh, it's an incredible group that he has set up, um, and you can check out all of those links in, our sh- in the show notes. And I completely recommend it. Uh, listening back to this episode, which I recorded a number of months ago, actually, was incredibly cathartic. Um, so it feels right that, that I'm giving you this information in this episode. Um, you know, I, I do have a large backlog of episodes recorded. And so there are going to be a number of episodes where you hear me refer to my partner. Um, and, you know, just so you know, they're <laughs> no longer my partner. Um, and that doesn't mean that I have any less love or respect for them. It just means that for whatever reason, at this time, it wasn't working. So, uh, yeah, just just know that in the episodes coming forth, the rest of 2021 and early into 2022, I, I may talk about, you know, my partner and and uh, it's going to be kind of painful, I guess, to, to publish those episodes. Uh, but you know what? The fact of the matter is the guests and their stories are still worth telling. And that's what matters at the end of the day. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going through it. I'm learning a lot about myself. I'm learning a lot about the world. And I, I don't know. I'm learning a lot about everything. It's, it's funny how when you're going through kind of a shitty situation you are given a, a piece almost it's it's like a permission slip to just go day to day and that's something that I needed to learn um and so as much as it sucks to be learning it now it's a blessing and I'm trying to look at it as such um there are a ton of things on the horizon and my personal and professional life that I'm super excited about and um I'm pushing forward on all of those so Life is good. Life is really good. And it's funny how in moments of negativity, you can realize how good your life actually is. So um, that's me being as vulnerable as I'm comfortable being at this time on the air. Um, Thank you for listening. Thank you for standing witness to my story, but also the stories of all of my guests. it's been a really incredible experience and I look forward to sharing the rest of the episodes going forward. Uh, and hey, so today's episode, I kind of already touched on it, but today's episode is with Angel and um, we're going to talk about grief and relationships, whether that be the loss of a partner, whether that be a breakup. Um, you know, and I also got a little bit vulnerable, not just in the intro, but in the interview itself where, you know, I talk about... Um, my mother's cancer diagnosis and how how can you support someone who's facing that and you know that's kind of different from what angel does and and he says as much but 
uh, yeah, there's just a lot of vulnerability happening right now. Not sure if it's in the stars, the planets, whatever. But uh, yeah, that's where we're at. That's where we're at. And I'm super honored to share this episode with you, with Angel. Um, And thank you for, again, standing witness to me, to the guests, to the stories. Because ultimately, that's what this is about, right? It's about the stories. Um, So without further ado, I am going to cut to a quick commercial break. And then you will hear my conversation with Angel. Hey there, I'm Megan Martin, and I put the manic and manic pixie dream girl. And I'm Janelle Megan, and I'm a self-proclaimed Bond girl, and I make every conversation way too deep. We are both professional actors, producers, and models. Cause and Creation is a podcast where we talk about all things creative, including interviewing other awesome artists that are breaking new ground. We'll be taking a deep dive into who they are, the work they do, and more importantly, what moves them as artists. You'll get an inside look into the minds of award-winning filmmakers who are promoting new content, writers who are on the first draft of their novel, video game designers who are creating a whole new world from scratch, and so much more. If you want to get to know a creative, or just want to get to know us, come hang out with us at Cause and Creation every other Thursday. Cue the applause. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I am here today with my guest, Angel, and we're here to talk about um, a pretty serious topic today. Uh, Yeah, tell me, we're here to talk about grief. Uh, Angel, tell me a little bit about you and how you got interested in working in this area. Yeah, so about two years ago, um, I started this organization called Grief X. And the reason why I got involved with it is um, it's going to be almost four years now. I lost my cousin to suicide. Oh, gosh. And he was like a brother figure to me. And, you know, I've had losses prior to him, but that was like the first time that um, like grief really impacted me, you know, when it when it comes to uh, to loss. And it took me about a year to realize that it was having like a negative impact on my life. Mm. Yeah. And so eventually I uh, I went to a therapist like for the first time in my life and the therapist had recommended to, you know, seek out a uh, support group. And while looking for one, I had trouble finding one that, you know, fit my schedule and then others, um, they wanted you to commit to like a series that wasn't like dropping. Mm-hmm. So that was problematic. And I kept, you know, searching and searching. And eventually I found the company that um, offered uh, like grief training for the like in, in the medical setting for like hospitals and, and things like that so i reached out to them and i said hey like is it all right if if i took the course you know I'm, i'll you know, i'll pay the fee or whatever and they said yeah fine so i took that course and then that led me to discover that like you know <laughs> our society isn't doing a good job at uh, addressing the issue and basically from there and i did some other stuff and then i decided that you know what like let me uh let me try hosting my own support group and that's kind of how we got started that's amazing so is it something you do full-time then i uh, no, not right now i just do it on the side um, Got it. <clears throat> yeah right now we're doing uh we try to do at least three meetings a month and that's that's kind of where we're at right now that's fantastic i mean i think it's Grief is such a, a odd topic and all of us are going to experience it in one way or another in our life. And so it's interesting that we don't talk about it so much, but there are lots of dark things um, in this world and people that can make people uncomfortable. They shy Indeed, away from yeah. it. So, um, well, how did 
it kind of gets started. Like how, how do you start a company uh, or an organization? And, you know, that from the ground level, you have this idea, you want to execute it. Um, how did you start? Yeah. So I was, um, so what I, what I kind of use as a framework is, um, when it comes to support groups, I think in the, in the substance realm, you know, there's some pretty good organizations such as like AA, another one is called uh, smart recovery. So I kind of, I'm familiar with both of those. So I kind of took like the aspects that I liked from both and then, and then using that as like the framework, as well as, you know, what I learned in the training kind of like formed my own thing. So basically, um, I really like what I liked about AA was like the community aspect and just like the fact that, you know, they, they do a pretty good job at creating a safe space for people to, you know, talk about their issue. Right. And I think with grief that, that kind of, um, that model works pretty well because, you know, ultimately with, with, uh, what I found with grief is that it's a very individual journey. Right. Right. Um, and what I help people do is like, you know, I'm not a grief expert in their own grief. I'm only an expert in how I deal with my own grief. But mm-hmm. what I help people um, do is basically, you know, try to become a grief expert for their own problems, right? Because only they will know like what is helpful, what's not. And it's a process of discovery. But in order to get there, like you have to be comfortable with your grief. And, um, you know, while certain things help certain people and, and you know, they may not be as effective for others, uh, I've discovered that talking about your grief is is definitely something that's helpful for everyone, right? So that's kind of like the basic principle is that at least like, you know, maybe some of the advice that we give in the meeting um, might not be helpful for uh, to you, but at least, you know, you talking about it will be helpful. So that's kind of like our, our motto there. Yeah. And even if some of the advice doesn't fit for that particular person, it might give them some creative ideas for things that might actually work for them. So it's a jumping off point. I mean, when you deal with loss, you you don't even know where to start sifting through those complicated emotions. So even just giving people a starting place right, right. is really helpful. Yeah. yeah that's really and it cool. also helps you like, you know, when dealing with someone else also, right. Because it makes mm-hmm. you more aware of like, okay, well maybe, you know, like say in the future, you have someone that's going through it. So you can try to use some of these suggestions to um, see if that helps them. Absolutely. And there are different types of grief. Um, So you primarily deal with grief in the terms of loss of a life, correct? Yeah. So I would say like 80% of the people that uh, attend our meetings have lost someone uh, due to death. But another 20%, it's like breakups or divorces that, you know, are are not related to death. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, I want to ask about both of those things. Um, uh, so I guess, how is it different? I mean, obviously loss of a life is different from a breakup or a divorce and in the latter situation, like the other person is still alive. Um, but the grief is different. Like how do, how do they differ? How do, how does the advice differ? Right. So what I would say is like the main difference is that when, um, it's related to a death, like, you know, it's, it's a lot harder. Well, I wouldn't say necessarily harder, but it's, it's addressing it as it's much different in the sense that like, you know, there, there is like literally no contact with that person. Right. Um, whereas if they're still alive, so like say in the context of, of a, of a breakup or a divorce, like your former partner is still alive. Right. Or even in, in some cases, some people, um, they come because they're having some issues with their family. Right. Like, right. Maybe, 
so in, in those cases, like those relatives are, are still alive, right? Um, so there is some opportunity to um, reconnect or in some cases, you know, it's best to stay away from them. But that also has implications that you normally wouldn't deal with if, if they have passed on. So in the in the case of, you know, a former partner, like depending on how the relationship ended and how they took it, like, you know, you might still have to deal with uh, with that person trying to reach out to you or them potentially harming you if, if it was, you know, that kind of a relationship. Right. Whereas if they pass on, you know, you're not um, dealing with that. But I mean, as far as like measuring the pain and stuff, um, I, it's, I would say it's hard to quantify, right? And I would say also like one isn't necessarily better than the other, right? It's just different, um, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, I, it's, and I think that's true too. And you don't want to minimize anyone's grief. Um, so just acknowledging that it's different is, is helpful. I, I wonder how the people who are experiencing grief um, you know, from loss of a, a relationship in some way, how, how they feel coming into a group that where the loss is so much different. And I hope, I hope that they don't compare and think, oh, well, my situation is so much less. Um, because I know that were I in that situation, I probably would. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so that, that happens sometimes when people reach out in, in private and they're like, oh, you know, um, I, like they said, oh, I like the meeting, but I, I've kind of felt like uncomfortable talking about my own grief because like in the case of like, you, you just mentioned, like say someone, they just going through like a breakup, for example, right. Versus people talking about that their partner actually died. So sometimes the first timers that are in this situation, like they might, feel uncomfortable talking about their loss in the first meeting because they feel like oh like you know these people like they their partner died right mine is still alive it just didn't work out um but you know i encourage them you know just uh to to share when they're ready because ultimately like it's it's still painful for you right um and i i think you know as far as how other people take it too i, I would say for the for the most part like uh, um you know everyone's understanding like everyone acknowledges too that you know at the end of the day like grief is grief loss is loss right absolutely um, even though even when it comes to jobs too like you know say there's two types of people like there's a person that was like you know ceo of a company and you know they they're no longer that versus someone that's working a minimum wage job like both of those people are gonna feel pain when you know they lose their their income right obviously the person that's making a lot more money probably has better savings and stuff but they, they still feel discomfort right absolutely yeah and i think um it's just i i do love that there's this like aura of understanding that you're describing um i think that's necessary and uh you know just important to create that safe space for people um well what are some of the tools that you use to walk through with people? Um, what sort of advice do you give? And, you know, this can be both for like, let's say you lose a partner, um, you know, to death or through for a breakup, um, divorce, or, you know, even a job situation. What types of advice or tools do you offer uh, the people who are going through this? Yeah. So something that we talk uh, about a lot are the the five stages of grief. Mm -hmm. Um but the thing with that, though, is that we have to remember that um, the person that that made that, Elizabeth uh, Kubler-Ross, 
she actually, from from my understanding, she made that for like people that uh, were dealing with like a terminal illness, right? Yes. So yes. it wasn't <laughs> really for like how to deal with when someone dies. Um, but later it was like adapted into that. So another guy, uh, David Kessler, he actually worked with her on on something, and they uh, and and he published a book called the the sixth stage of grief, which is finding meaning, right? And then I think he does a good job in that book about like tying all that together. But basically what I explained with that though, is that, you know, from my experience and, and talking with other people that the five stages of grief is, is not like a linear journey, right? Um, so not everyone is gonna experience all those emotions. Some people will skip some things entirely. And then even if you do reach acceptance or you find meaning, um, you can still like cycle through some of the right. other stages, right? And then sometimes it can hit you at, at once. And it can be like, you know, just randomly, you know, you find yourself in that situation again. And I think that's important to keep in mind because a lot of people think that like, okay, like I'm going to go through this and then, you know, be done with it. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately oh, no. <laughs> it, it doesn't work that way. Right. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's funny. I literally just yesterday, um, I, I just moved and I've been going through some mm -hmm. stuff, you know, trying to get rid of it. And, um, I came across a stash of cards that my grandmother sent me from like every single holiday for Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. for Halloween. She, she, and she died about three years ago. Um, and it's crazy. Just like how the smallest thing can just set you off. I just saw the card, saw her handwriting and I lost it and right. like dealt with, you know, all of these feelings all over again of, um, you know, just, just this loss. So it's uh, it really does hit you. And I, I think that's so important to let people know that these stages, you know, aren't linear. It's it's more of like a cycle and you can go through it over and over and over again. And, and you might and you probably will, you know, revisit multiple stages over the course of your life because grief isn't something that ever goes away. You just become more comfortable with it. Right, right. And I think like what you were describing also is something that we talk about too, which is called like a grief burst, which is, you know, something that kind of catches up, catches us off guard and, you know, it just causes us to uh, cycle through uh, some of those stages. And then another thing that um, <clears throat> we also talk about too is like, for example, like there's like the things that kind of catch us off guard, right? Such as the grief burst. Um, but then there are also other things that we can kind of like plan a little. So, you know, over time, you kind of like learn what your triggers are, right? Mm, um, okay. And I find that like dates and certain holidays um, right. can can be very triggering. So we can kind of like prepare. I mean, and, and of course, too, like, you know, by prepare, I don't mean that like it's going to be, you know, it's, it's going to work out 100%, but at least you can kind of like make arrangements and, and you know, consciously be aware that it's going to be a difficult time for you. Yeah, if you need to take can, the day off, you take the day off, right? Right, like right. So, you know, like preparing and, and that way can also be um, helpful. But ultimately, though, I think, um, again, you know, grief is a very individual journey. So I, I think, you know, we just also have to be comfortable in uh, communicating our needs to other people as well. Right. So for those of us that are fortunate enough to have a support system, um, sometimes, you know, people um, kind of like project their stuff on us. So, for example, like you know, certain people prefer to um, be left alone and other people prefer, you know, mm -hmm. constant contact. So some people might reach out to us, you know, very frequently, right? Because that's what's helpful for them. But maybe we need some space, right? 
So when this happens, you know, certain people get overwhelmed and they they find it to have a negative impact. But, you know, they're scared to, like, confront the person about it because they might think, like, oh, you know, this person's going to get mad at me because, you know, they're trying to help me out. And here I am telling them to leave right, me alone. Right, right, right. Um, but I think, you know, I, I think if the person really cares about you, like, they'll be understanding. And as long as you approach it in a way where it's not offensive, you say, hey, look, like, I know you're trying to cheer me up, but I, I, I kind of need some space right now. That's what would make me feel better. I would appreciate it if, you know, you give me, um, you know, a couple of days or, or something like, you know, whatever you, you tell them what you need. And um, that, that, that would, all, or likewise too, if you feel that, you know, people are avoiding you, um, it might not be because it's, you know, like they dislike you or anything or that they're scared of you now that you lost someone. It could just be that, you know, maybe they like to have some space, right? So they think that um, that works for you also, but maybe you want constant contact or right, you would right. like them to check up on you. So again, you know, don't be scared to uh, reach out because you know what, at the end of the day, what's the worst thing that could happen is that they react negatively to it. And if that's the case, then it's probably people that you don't want around in your life. Exactly. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that kind of like ties into a few questions that I had for you, which is about how can you support somebody who's going through grief specifically, like how can a partner support their partner who's experienced grief? Um, how can, but really generally anyone, how can anyone mm-hmm. be a support system? And it sounds like, um, I think this is the case with a lot of things in life, but asking what do you need <laughs> yeah. is the number one thing. Right. And also, as I think you mentioned earlier, I know sometimes you don't know what you need. Right. Yes. Um, and and especially like when, the you know, when the grief is very fresh, like even though like you might have a general idea of what works for you or not, you might just be like in, in so much shock that, you know, you just you really don't know what you want. Right. So I would say, you know, um, being a good listener is, is definitely you can't go wrong with that. Right. And I guess just, you know, kind of use like your intuition based off what you know about the person and, you know, see what you might think uh, might help them. And then also like, you know, uh, open up the dialogue, like, uh, like, oh, do you want me to like, you know, keep checking up on you or do you prefer some space or something like that, right? At least that will make the person more comfortable and communicating their needs if what you're offering is not what they need. Right. So I think that's, that's a good, safe approach uh, to go by. Yeah, no, that's all. Um, solid advice. I think it's it's tough. And uh, again, this kind of leads me into my next question, which is why do you think that grief and death are such taboo experiences? But it's true that like people just don't know what to do. And it's just kind of they're like, ah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very like, I don't know what to do. I mean, I, I've been guilty as that of that as well. Although, you know, I do have a tendency to kind of lean into these tougher subjects just because that's life. But yeah, why do you, why do you think that people have such a hard time talking about these things. Yeah, so I'll I'll focus on um each thing individually. So I think as far as like death is concerned, um you know, it's 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 a scary thought, you know. <laughs> yeah. And and there's also like, you know, there's still a lot of uh, uncertainty about it in the sense that like, you know, we all know we're going to die, right? And um that's something that everyone accepts or or even if they don't want to accept it like <laughs> subconsciously they know that it's going to happen right um and you know every religion too like agrees on the fact that you know we're we're going to die and and even if someone doesn't believe in any religion they they still agree that you know again we're going to die 
Um, so where it gets trickier is like, you know, the whole thing about the purpose of life and the afterlife right. and, yes. and these things, you know, like either make it more complicated or in some cases add um, a layer of comfort for some people. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's just like that uncertainty of behind it is, is what makes us uh, uneasy, at least for me personally, like, you know, doing this type of work has help me accept the fact that I'm going to die more. That doesn't mean that I'm not scared to die anymore. I, right. I still am. Um, and, and of course, like, um, you know, I'm, I'm still, especially like with what, the, what recently happened with the pandemic. I mean, I think everyone was like grieving their freedom and yeah. their, their fear for their life. Right. Because I mean, early on when, when the outbreak happened, like, you know, we weren't too sure how it spread. And even now, too, there's still, like, you know, some controversy behind that. So many questions still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and, and now, like, with the, you know, even though we've been proved with the vaccination process, there's still, like, debate about the masks and, and all mm-hmm. that, right? So, and I got, and again, that goes into the whole, like, uncertainty be, behind that situation. So, yeah, so I, I think, um, and I'm not too sure about like how other cultures handle it, um, because you know I, I live in the, uh, sure. in the United States, right? So, in, in some other countries, they they handle it a little bit differently. But yeah, I, I think in general, though, it's, it's I actually think it's a topic that should be addressed in in school because you know we learn about science, biology, and death is is part of that, right? So I, I think we should normalize that discussion more. And one thing I am thankful for, though, is that like my parents, um, I have one other sibling, a uh, sister of mine. You know, they sat me and my sister down and they kind of like explained, you know, how to handle things if, if they were to pass on. Right. Mm. So and even my sister, too, she has some arrangements. I also have discussed my parents you know, in the event that I pass, too. So we, we've had that discussion. Um, and I think it's helpful to have that just, you know, if because it's, it's going to happen. I mean, we just we don't know who's going to die first. Right. Yeah, it's scary. Um, yeah, but at least like we've had that discussion and, you know, when it does happen, um, it's certainly going to be difficult for, you know, whether I die before my parents or my parents die or, or my sister dies, whoever dies first. Uh, but at least like we've had that discussion before. Right. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of people don't have that discussion. Right. And when it happens. It, it complicates things. And um, in the case of like, you know, people that are are married and stuff like that with like assets and and things like that. It can complicate things if these discussions are not had beforehand, or if you have children also, right? Um, or in the context also of like you know with within uh, the family unit, like you know with your parents and and things like that. If you have any siblings, it can complicate things if these discussions have not occurred because of you know the legal um, implications and, and yeah. things of that nature. Yeah. Or even um, simple, like simply like um, preparations, right? Like sometimes there's arguments about like, oh, you know, like I don't think, you know, mom would have wanted to be cremated or whatever, stuff like that, right? And again, in some cases it wasn't discussed, so people are just speculating. Yeah, I think it's really, (laughs) uh, losing somebody is hard enough without all of these extra things that come after a loss of somebody, you know, whether it be the financial um, things that come out of it, the legal things, um, you know, having to, I always thought it was very strange that when somebody died, there would be a funeral and then everybody would go back to the family of the person who died Mm. and they would like cater a meal to them. 
I, I, I'm just like, what the, like, what the fuck? That seems so backwards to me <laughs> <laughs> that like these people just lost somebody and they're providing like a lunch. Like what? <laughs> I, I don't know. Just one of those weird, like norms that I have absolutely no interest in, <laughs> but yeah, 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 like all of these things. Right, right. Yeah. And even like, if you look at like on that note, like the, just the funeral service right. in general, for the most part, it's like, you know, everyone's dressed in black. It's all gloomy and stuff. Right. And it's like, it's, you know, like, depending on how you look at it, it's just, it's like, you, you can either look at it as like, okay, we're here to mourn their death or we're here to celebrate their life. Right. 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 <laughs> and it's, it's funny too. I mean, uh, um, quite honestly, the, the biggest experience that I have recently, you know, was my, my grandmother a few years back, I had lost, mm. um, my uncle, like just a few months prior to that. Um, mm. that was even harder, I would say, because there was mm-hmm. alcoholism involved mm-hmm. and he was only 50 years old and he, you know, essentially mm-hmm. committed suicide via alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, but those are my two like recent experiences. And for all of this talk that they had in that's their very religious ceremony Mm -hmm. um that was all about celebrating their life like that wasn't really how it felt i don't know it's such it's such a weird thing that like you're you're mourning the loss but also being grateful for the time that you had it's such a weird like crossroads of emotions Right, right and um yeah i mean i guess I think about the way that people talk about grief. The other experience that I have, and I, I did mention this on a personal note in my email to you, is that um, I, I want to know what you um, know or what people that you've spoken to have in terms of preemptive grief. You know, my mom has stage four cancer. Um, it's terminal. Mm-hmm. She's had it for since 2012. Um, it's qu- quite frankly remarkable that she's still alive um, mm-hmm. today. And it's funny because she in the last two years has written two books that center around the subject of grief. One is a memoir about her experience with stage four cancer. And one is Mm. a novel that um, kind of was a way that she dealt with the loss of her parents. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's also centered around grief. So uh, all of that to kind of get at the fact that I think about grieving in advance a lot. Mm. Um, You know, what kind of experience do you know, you have with working with people who had to do that. Um, mm-hmm. cause grieving for, I mean, I think it's eight years now. It's a really long time to grieve something that, you know, is going to happen, but hasn't happened yet. Right. Right. Um, so first off, I just want to say that, you know, I'm not as experienced with, uh, with that level of grief, but, um, occasionally we do have people that attend that have dealt with it after the fact. Sure. So I'm mainly basing, you know, my um, my comments based off that. Right. Um, but having said that, yeah, I mean, I would say like, you know, there's as, as you mentioned, like you kind of like are expecting some sort of outcome. Right. But there's still that uncertainty behind it. Right. So on the one hand, like, I guess um you're not dealing as much with like the element of surprise per se, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that it's not going to be any less painful. Right. right. Um, and, and, and the kind of like what we were talking about before about, you know, like the breakup versus losing a partner to death um, at the end of the day, you know, you're still feeling pain. Right. Um, so I would say though, like, 
what would happen sometimes, and again, this is um, going off what other people have told me. Sure. Um, it's like a, a, a many people also feel like a bit of a, a loss of identity when this happens in terms of like, especially if they were actively involved in the caretaking role of, of, their, of, of the person that they were taking care of. So, for example, like one woman talked about how, you know, she was taking care of her mother. And then when her mother passed, she kind of felt kind of like lost in her life. And that's, of course, because her mother passed, but also because for so much time um, she was, you know, taking care of her mother. Right. Right. So now that her mother had passed, like to some extent. And then also she also felt like a bit of guilt, too, because, you know, she kind of felt like some relief in terms yes. of like that she no longer has to like worry about it. But then also like that results in guilt because she's like, you know, why do I feel this relief? Right. Yeah. <laughs> that my mom died. Right. And it's like this double edged sword. Right. Um, so, you know, things of that nature can can occur. And, and I think it's, you know, certainly normal. Right. To uh, to feel that way. Um, and then in, in other cases, too, um, you know, some people the you know, that 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 shift of of role can can unfortunately, um, you know, lead them down a, a difficult path. Like this person is is not from my group, but someone that that I know. Um, when they're they were also caretaking for their parent, and once their parent passed, like they had a bit of a breakdown. And I haven't because I wasn't really like close to them. I, I kind of like sure. knew them through a mutual friend. But last I heard, like you know, they they weren't doing too good still. And, and basically, like when their parent passed, like they kind of like lost it a bit, right? Because they just couldn't accept it. And like their whole world had, had shifted because they were so used to being the caretaker. And um, when that changed, like, you know, they um, they they kind of, you know, like sh shifted into this uh, mindset where, um, you know, like trying to discover the meaning of, of life kind of thing, but taking it a little bit too far, I think. And um, you know, it's, it's, it's had a negative impact on their life. Uh, Definitely. To say the least. Yeah. I would go out on a limb and say grief is one of the most, if not the most complex emotion that there is in humanity. Yeah. <laughs> it is like, there's so many different facets of it. And, you know, you talk about like the relief and then the, the, how identity is wrapped up on it. And I mean, grief is, um, is love, right? Like that's what, it is. And, and sometimes it's hurt too. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you can grieve somebody that hurt you a lot. Um, so it's, it's so, so complex. Yeah. Um, well, I kind of want to talk about, um, sex, the different sexes, because I know that you have a really strong focus on the fact that, uh, men have, a difficult time because society has expectations of how men should treat emotions. Um, so I kind of just want to like, let you go um, and talk about that uh, and, you know, what you've learned and, and how you work with men through that and how uh, the way that men and women or, you know, people with penises and vaginas, how they hmm. grieve differently. Right. So I would say, um, the, the main difference lies, I think, in between like the expectations of society. And again, this is within the context of the United States, right? Sure. Um, so yeah, I, I think still today, unfortunately, like we have this notion that, you know, it's it's bad for men to be emotional, to show emotion, and that, you know, they have to be strong. And, you know, there's that concept of like, you know, man up and whatever, right? Um, 
So but toxic. I think, yeah. And I think when it comes to grief, like that's like the most damaging approach that you can yes. take. Um, and again, you have to go also by like what's natural to you, right? So some people are naturally like whether they're male or female, not very emotional, right? Um, and then that's fine. So if, you know, if you happen to be a man or a woman and, and you know, that's that's who you are, that, that's fine. But if if you're uh, a man in particular and, you know, you, you do, you tend to be an emotional person and you're suppressing that because of society's expectations, that's going to um, impact you negatively, right? Yeah. Because in order to properly grieve, like, you know, you have to feel these emotions and you have to be willing to be vulnerable in order to heal, right? Like you have to talk about it, Um and if you're not talking about it and you're and you're scared to, you know, like feel these emotions and you keep suppressing them, it's it's your, you know, your road to recovery is is gonna be a, a tough one, right? Um, and in some cases, you know, people will turn to um other forms of 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 uh help yeah, coping, that are not yeah. really help, mm-hmm. <laughs> like substances yep. or, or doing unhealthy things, right? Um, to suppress that. And you know, it, it might you might think it's working in the short term, but in the long term, it's, it's not more damage. Yeah. yeah. It's going to cause more and it can result in other problems. Right? Absolutely. So, so, yeah. So I think for men, you know, that's, that, that's, that's an issue. Um, and yeah, generally in our meetings, like we, we tend to have more women attend, but I, I have noticed like more men attending lately and um, they're, they're pretty open. The ones that do come and some of them are hesitant, like the first meeting to share much, but by the second meeting, they're, they're more comfortable, which I'm happy about. That um, makes me so sad that these these people are holding like such sadness inside of them. And I mean, it, it, this the process is so much easier if you know expressing the emotion is is the first step, right? So right. people who are able to do that have a, a leg up, I suppose, if you're looking at it that way. But um, it just makes me really sad that there are people who have trouble with you know even that first step. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know. A lot of it just comes down to like you know the way like we're raised like as you know like in school like if some guy cry we won't like make fun of them and stuff like that right whereas if like a girl was crying it's just like oh it's just a, a girl being a girl right? right right um and then the truth of the matter is it's like you know fuck that it's just a human being a mm-hmm. human right <laughs> like we absolutely. all cry like it doesn't matter um, absolutely yeah how do you um I-, I suspect that i know the answer to this but like how do you try to coax them or do you not you know do you just kind of let them be and hope that with time and with watching other people be vulnerable they'll be more comfortable being vulnerable right so i i think i, I take the approach of like lead by example right so sure. since um I, at least the the meetings that that i run you know since i'm the one sharing i guess they kind of see that okay like this is a, a man too right and he's like pretty open about his uh situation and i just you know i'm i'm, I'm very open about like stuff that also might you know, some people might feel uncomfortable sharing. So for example, like, as far as like emotion is concerned, like when I did the grief training, uh, the, the first thing I did, like the first session, I mean, um, you know, we had to do some exercises and, and, and during some of those exercises, like I was triggered, right? So I like, at mm-hmm. one point I started crying, right? And most of the people um, attending that, actually like there was only like, I believe like three males, the rest were women, right? Um, so, you know, right there also, you kind of see like, you know, that it's it's also like not a very um, male centric 
um, sphere right. also, right? Um, but anyway, so but anyway, I was I was like I started like tearing up a bit, right? And at first, I was like kind of embarrassed, but then I was like, you know what? Like the hell with it. Like you know, this is what I'm feeling, right? Mm-hmm. And it just it just have to be comfortable with it. So like you know, I talk about stuff like that, and I think it just helps people, um, you know, like normalize it, right? Um, and then also other attendees were also like, you know, some some of the women there too were also triggered. And and actually, I want to add that, you know, this training thing was for people that were like in the profession already. Some of them were therapists. Sure. Some of them were nurses or doctors. So these are people that like are in the front lines of seeing people dying and, and stuff like that all the time. Right? <sighs> and even they were like struggling with it. Right. So imagine, you know, like you know, the, the average person that's not, you know, exposed to this or has no training, um, that it's, it's for sure going to be difficult. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I, I, I guess too, like that leads me to another question that I had for you, which is like, this work is so intense and probably so, I mean, not even probably like it is so emotionally draining. Like, what do you do to take care of yourself? Right. So, um, usually what, what I try to do is like, I, I try not to do more than uh, one meeting a week. That way it gives me some time to like, you know, reset. Um, and, you know, I also can't really control like my emotions and in, in terms of like the fact that, you know, I might be triggered before a meeting or during a meeting. Right. But I'm, I'm at a point where um, I'm more comfortable managing, you know, any outbursts of grief. So sometimes, you know, before a meeting, I might be feeling down or, or even during a meeting, something might come up that might trigger me. Um, but I try to, you know, um, at this point, like I kind of have an idea of what makes me feel better and or what could potentially trigger me. So I try to like manage it to the best of my ability. But yeah, like what I'll do is I'll just, you know, like I try to like not do anything stressful before or after the meeting, just kind of like cool down. And then, um, and if I'm feeling really down, like I'm a big foodie, <laughs> so mm-hmm. maybe I'll like treat myself and yeah. go, eat, you know, eat something that I like or whatever, or just go for a walk or do something fun, like either that same day or the day after just right. to like, you know, recover um, from anything that I might be feeling. But yeah, I, I think also that that to the next point of like self-care, right? Like it's, it's very important um, as, as when you're dealing with grief, whether, you know, you're helping others deal with it or even with yourself, um, you know, we have to um, be, I mean, just self-care in general, I, I think is important, right? But when it comes to grief, it could like really creep up on us because I think, um, in my opinion, at least I, I, with when you're dealing with grief, it can also result in like, you know, um, it can affect your health, right? Like some people will lose their appetite, mm-hmm. their sleep, um, it can, you know, affect your motivation or, or even like your your mind can like wander off, right? Which could be dangerous if you're like driving or, or doing anything or operating anything that, you know, is potentially dangerous, right? So, you know, you want to be mindful of that and try to like figure out like, okay, like, you know, what can I do to cheer myself up, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's hard work and uh, so important, you know, whether you're grieving or like you said, you're helping people through their grief. Um, I, and I ask a lot of therapists that question too, you know, uh, you're dealing with so many emotions of other people. How do you, you know, take care of yourself through that? So um, it just occurred to me too, while you were talking, going back to like the difference between the sexes and how stereotypically 
Um, men, you know, have a harder time expressing these intense emotions just by nature of how society has shaped us. Um, it kind of reminded me of in the sense of breakups, how there's like a meme about this, but um, <laughs> I, I think that it might be true, which is that like, and it's been true in, in my case too, that <clears throat> when I go through a breakup, I am devastated at first. <clears throat> and I really go through the steps of like fully grieving. I, um, you know, cry, I eat the comfort food. I do a lot of self-care, a lot of bubble baths, a lot of journaling, a lot of therapy. Like I do a lot of that off the bat. And then like week by week, it gets easier until, you know, six months later, I'm, I feel like I'm kind of fully recovered and ready to, you know, get out there and date again. Mm -hmm. Whereas the partners that I've had, when we break up, they go out, they cope by, you know, maybe going to the bar a lot, meeting new girls, taking them home, um, you know, and, and they just kind of don't face it fully, or at least, you know, I'm biased here because I'm the person in these relationships that <laughs> right. are ending. But, um, and then, you know, six months later, I, I get a text message that's just kind of like, hey, how's it going? Like, I really hope you're doing well. Or, you know, in some cases, a guy like, wants to see me again. So um, it just is interesting how, and again, you know, I don't know how this differs from, from like loss from a death versus loss of mm -hmm. a breakup, but it's definitely something that I've noticed that in the sense of breakups, you know, the women in my life that I know have a tendency to really process from the get-go and then really, you know, they might hold some sadness still, but they are more or less good to go after a while. And it's kind of backwards for the men that they've dated where I, I have this saying, I say to my female friends, which is just like, they always come back. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Like, what do you think about that? Is that something that you've seen be the case in um, like breakups that you've seen? Yeah. So most of the, the people that attend for breakups tend to be women. So I don't have that much oh, okay. uh, data for men. Um, but I would say though, I, I think that kind of goes um, along with my theory anyway. I yeah. <laughs> but, but I would say just in general, like there's two types of people, right. And, um, and not necessarily like tied to any specific gender, but yeah, there's the people that take the time to, you know, process the grief and like analyze what, potentially went wrong in the relationship or in their self or whatever, or circumstances. And they go through the motions of, you know, like, uh, let's say healthier grieving. Right. And then there's people that, you know, don't want to face the grief and kind of want to take shortcuts. Right. And, you know, they can be male or female and then likewise with the other approach too. Right? Sure, yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then ultimately, but those people, again, like there's no shortcuts to grief. Right. Yeah, so you got to face it eventually. Right. So they're going to come back whether, or, or maybe they, they don't, but you know, they, they might try to like rebound back um, because they, you know, <laughs> they took it, they try to take a shortcut and they figured out that it's not working and <laughs> they might feel lost now. Want to have and, all those conversations that the other person had like six months ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I think generally that's what happens. Yeah. And I think even um, in a, uh, you did another episode with with someone where, uh, I can't remember the the particular episode number, but they they were discussing a, like an abusive relationship. It was this woman that got uh, yes, abuse. And then she, yes. Yeah, yeah. She had like a stalker and everything, right? Like her. her. Um, so, I mean, she didn't really talk about like, her her like it was more about like how that guy was dealing with it yeah. like his grief mm -hmm. right 
But um, but in some cases too, like uh, from my personal experience, and then other people that I not necessarily from my group, but from my circle of friends, you know, sometimes people break up from like bad relationships and they're still grieving it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so in my case, like my most uh, recent breakup, like I'm still you know dealing with that. Um, but you know, even though like I would I wouldn't say it was an abusive relationship, but you know, that for sure I, I felt like my partner wasn't treating me in the best way at, at sure. times. But it, it still hurt, you know, and 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 also there's that 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 thing too, where like, oh, whether you know you're the one that breaks up with them or you get broken up with, which is worse, which is better, yeah, right? That yeah. that's also kind of bullshit at the end of the day because you're still feeling pain, right? Um, so yeah, you know, even though I was the one that initiated the breakup, like it, you know, I, I still felt pain, and it was a difficult decision to make, right? Um, so, you know, but again, like everyone, and then in my case too, like, you know, my former partner handled it much differently than, than mm-hmm. I did, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I hope that their approach works for them. And, you know, what, what I did is what I felt would work for me, right? Yeah, um, what you had to do. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's that, that's that's the way it is. Um, but I think, um, and again, like this is not my realm of of expertise with like relationship breakups, but but I think generally though, um, I've I found very little success success stories of of people that you know try to just jump into other things and it works mm-hmm. out for them. <laughs> I think you gotta again, you gotta like grieve, right? Um, and I mean, the only way I could see someone like, you know, trying to move on right away and it working out for them is if they really didn't give a shit about that person, right? right? right. <laughs> because that's the only like logical thing, uh, as you said, like grief is love. So if you were in a relationship with a person, even if like the love wasn't, you know, like a hundred percent there, like if you cared about them somewhat, like it's, it's highly unlikely that you could just move on to something else and it working out for you. Um, I, I have yet to come across someone that has pulled that off, right? Yeah. Um, not to say that, you know, it's impossible, but I, uh, <laughs> I highly doubt that. Um, so I, I think in general, though, um, I, I think it's good at least to take, you know, again, the timeline might be different. Some people might need a couple months. Maybe some people just need a few weeks or something, but Definitely, I think there has to be some time in there where you have to kind of like reflect and then mm-hmm. you can move on to something else and well, hopefully also, it works out for you. In the context of like, you know, a breakup, like there's a certain amount of looking back at what you and your partner did, mm-hmm. rightly or wrongly, to get a sense of what you want to change in the next relationship that you get into. Right, right. Like otherwise, you know, are you just going to keep repeating the same patterns over and over again? yeah. So, and in that context, I think, I think it's different. Obviously it's different from, you know, um, loss from a death, um, but still, still fascinating. Breakups have always been a fascinating topic to me, just the way that people handle them. Um, and then, you know, what it's like to get back out there again. Um, so yeah, just an interesting thought. Um, but I guess like my last big question for you before we kind of get into, uh, you know, you promoing yourself is, uh, what can we do as a society and as, you know, individual people to normalize the experience of grief and make it less taboo and, um, be more supportive of one another as humans on this earth? Yeah. So I, I think we should just, you know, 
try to be more vulnerable when it comes to talking about grief and death because and accept that those two things are just you know uh this is part of life of the life cycle right um in order to live we must die <laughs> that's the truth of the matter right. and even when it comes to grief i mean even if you're like you know some hardcore you know um independent person where you're like you know fuck the world kind of thing like you're, you're gonna you're going to grieve your own life at some point too, right? So even mm -hmm. if, you know, you don't care about anyone, right? Um, so, you know, so even your own mortality, like that's that's going to come at you at some point too, right? And sometimes some of us, um, you know, when our time to die comes, we don't, you know, we don't even know, right? It could be some freak accident or something right. like that. Right. But in other cases, you know, for the most part, I would say, you know, we're, we're, gonna, we're just going to like grow old and um, start feeling that, you know, death is going to come our right. way, right? So we'll, we'll have to have that conversation with ourselves um, for the most part. And then also one thing I want to add too, though, like another thing too, I think that's that's also normal, that should be more nor normalized is just talking about like loneliness in general, mm, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's also a big component of uh, loss and grief, like especially yes. with when it comes to like the breakup process, right? Like some people, they kind of get upset when their other, when their, when their former partner moves on or, or even like, um, you know, say in, in the, I would say like one of the, the main um, issues that can come up when someone like loses the party to death versus a breakup is if, let's say, you know, you break up with someone and then you jump into another relationship, you probably won't get as much, you know, social backlash for that. Sure. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, well, all right, you broke up and the relationship didn't work out. But let's say like, you know, your, um, you know, your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband and wife, whatever dies. And then you decide to start dating someone right away, right? Right. Like you right. might have backlash from their friends and family, like, oh, you didn't really love them or something like that, right? Because in that case, like the breakup person, it wasn't like, you know, it was because of death, right? Right. It wasn't because you guys weren't working out, right? And, you know, it, it, I, I think we have to remember that, you know, some, some people, um, jump into things because they're they're uh, because of loneliness i mean loneliness sucks too you know yeah um, absolutely yeah and even myself too like you know even though i work in this field then you know i'm, I'm pretty knowledgeable and, and grief and, and and things like that like you know I, I i still struggle with that sometimes too because like my cousin um he, he like he like i said he was like a brother figure to me right and I, I confide in him a lot and you know i do have other close friends but it's not the same thing sure and sometimes like i wish that he was still around so like i could you know consult him about stuff and right now with uh with like the last relationship i had too like i've tried to date again and then you know it hasn't worked out too well um so you know at, at times I, I i still struggle with with loneliness right and and that's normal and i think um, having that conversation too is important because a lot of people also um, are stuck in like toxic relationships because of the fear of loneliness. Absolutely. Right? Or oh, yes. when it comes to grief, like they unfortunately fall prey into people that, you know, are manipulative and will take advantage of the fact that they're lonely. Right. And, you know, that happens sometimes too. Unfortunately, some people, you know, like they're grieving a loss and they meet someone and that person is very manipulative and like they'll love bomb the uh, love bomb the shit out of them right and they'll be like oh this is amazing and it turns out that person is is horrible right um so you know this, these are things we want to watch out for but again it's it's about having that conversation right absolutely yeah. because i think that's another topic that we're scared to talk about you know the the concept of of dying alone i think is, is also oh yeah scary. so 
but that, that in itself, like loneliness in itself, I feel it could be like its own topic, right? But yeah. I just wanted to sneak that in there because I think I think it's important to talk about that as well alongside grief. And, You're right. Um, I never thought about the two as being so compatible, but they really are. They they work together. Right. Um, that's fascinating. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, you've given me a lot to think about there. Um, yeah, where can people find you on on the internet? Um, you know, if there's somebody out there who is struggling with grief, where can they, um, you know, sign up for a meeting? Uh, yeah, go ahead and let us know where we can find you. Yeah. So um, originally, when I first started the group, we we're actually meeting in person in New York City. But then uh, when, you know, the whole COVID thing started, we actually transitioned online. And I decided to keep the meetings uh, online through Zoom permanently for now. Okay. Yeah. And we actually have people from, you know, different cities joining us. So if you go to griefx.com, so that's the word grief and then the letter x.com. Um, you and you click on the link that says online uh, support meeting. So we're, right now we're using uh, Meetup for RSVPs and such. So you can just join the New York City chapter even if you don't live there, and um, you know you can join the the online meetings through Zoom like that. And then we do plan on resuming some of the in person meetings, which will will be a little bit different than the usual talk stuff. We'll probably do like some social stuff. And we also have chapters in some other nearby cities that I travel to um, where we will do some in-person stuff as well. But, you know, for anyone listening that doesn't live uh, anywhere near those cities, feel free to join us through Zoom uh, through that uh, through that link. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time and for, um, you know, lending us your expertise on, on this topic. Uh, it's a tough one, right? But like we said at the beginning, everybody's going to have to deal with it in some way at some point. So um, it really doesn't need to be talked about. Yeah. And thank you for having me on, Rachel. And also for sharing your own grief. I mean, that's, you know, leading by example as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, I, I have no trouble being vulnerable. It's not not a weak point of mine. Um, so yeah. Uh, yeah. Really, thank you for your time. This has been Wine, Dine, and 69. I'm your host, Rachel Dalton, and let's keep talking. Mm-hmm.